Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And yes, I'll go ahead and say it. On this glorious Monday morning, Astros are on a seven-game winning streak. And um, they became yesterday the first team, no, the only team in the major leagues, to have at least a seven-game winning streak for nine consecutive seasons. And um, it I guess you can kind of say it came out of nowhere on one hand because they hadn't been playing all that well for a while in the first couple of weeks. But really, I remember last Monday on this show, I remember, obviously, we were talking mostly about the draft, but I remember saying the Astros lost two out of three to the, but I don't feel bad. Like, they played well. They just as easily could have lost all three games as won them all. Uh, I, I thought they played well. So they started playing pretty well before uh, this seven-game winning streak, three or four games before that. But, you know, they're still not all hitting. You know, that's that's baseball. You know, I hear so many people talk about baseball like it's riding a bike, but it's not. It's not like once you get it, then you got it. No, I mean, you can you can get hot. They're going to go through periods where they're going to get hot offensively. And then they're going to, later in the season, they're going to be in a dry spell just like they were the first two weeks of the season where no one can hit for a while. That's baseball. You don't. You don't like it's not a sport where you like build up to this and then once you got it, you got it. That's not the way it works. So much of it is circumstantial, has to do with matchups, has to do with the history against a team, has to do with injuries. So, I mean, obviously, the better players over the large sample size hit better than players that aren't as good. But in that given moment, it's one of the things Coach Degg says. You might be a quote-unquote 400 hitter, but that don't mean you're a 400 hitter today. That sounds crazy to some people, but it's true. It's like like you might be Tony Gwynn in his prime. But there was somebody that got Tony Gwynn out because if no one got him out, he'd have hit 900. He didn't hit 900. He just hit about 330 or 340 most of the time. He knew what he was doing. But again, somebody had to get him out. And so, it, you know, you ju- it's circumstantial. And so, no, but right now, look, the pitching is great. Again, I'll continue to say I'm trying to suppress my enthusiasm, my giddiness as much as possible. It's still early in the year, and it's an unusual year. It's been an unusual three years, to be honest. But – As you're watching baseball, my advice is 
to, to keep in mind, it's hard to know how much of like what the Astros did this past week offensively. I mean, pitching-wise. It's very difficult to know how much of that credit you have to put on the Astro pitchers and how much you have to put on the uh, on the fact that the other teams are just struggling. The Mariners were struggling because they were uh, on an American trip from a, a three-city American trip from Asia, and they were on the third leg of that, which is pubble. That's not a good scenario. Astros caught them at the perfect time. And the man, the Tigers just aren't hitting. I mean, they just now Saturday they got eleven hits, but they can't. They just can't score any runs. So obviously, it's like everything. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm trying not to get too excited about the Astros pitching. All I'm going to say is, if Lance McCullers comes back the second half of the season, and and be, and pitches like Lance McCullers did last season. Why can't this be the best rotation in the in the league, or certainly in the top three or four? It maybe could be, but uh, long long way to go there. All right, we're this is Monday. Normally there are no phone calls. I'm gonna make an exception because this was an exception. There was a, something exceptional that happened over the weekend, and I don't even know how to put words to it. And I, it, it, in one way, it's exciting, and another way, it's very frustrating to me. We've been talking to Mr. Tom for five weeks about the Kentucky Derby. Then a horse wins the race that we didn't mention one time because he wasn't even in the race. I mean, the horse was not even in the race. Why didn't you talk about him for five? Because he wasn't in the race. How did this happen? So at 1035, the plan is to talk to Mr. Tom and have him, who's been a lifelong horse racing fan explained to me how this guy how was this horse in the race why was he in the race I don't even know why he was in the race like someone said so and so just won I said who is that he's not even in the race that was my comment because I, I kind of was familiar with some of these horses and I had heard all the names we went over them Thursday and some Friday all of a sudden this horse is in the race not even in the race so, yeah, our plan is to talk to uh, Mr. Tom at 1035 to have him explain what in the world happened. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Ah, somebody wasn't. Somebody's less patient than me, which these days that's saying something. I mean, that is, it's not a good. It, this right now would not be a good time for me to be in a like serious traffic jam. I just. Nerves are a little frayed these days. But anyway, um, so we've got, we'll be talking about the Derby like people are talking about all over the country. I was so busy Saturday, did not get a chance to see it. But yesterday, I looked at three or four replays of it from different angles, and it was unbelievable. The, the angle that's really the coolest to watch is like the aerial view of it, where they just look like little dots. And you see where that horse was, what was between him and the and epicenter out front, and what he had to do um, – 
just pure orange. You know, you you know, you know who that guy, you know, in my term, you know who that horse was? You know what the name of that horse should be? Ernest T. Bass. That's who that guy, that's who that horse was. Like, you know how we give nicknames? And a lot of times my nicknames with the Astros and the Saints have to do with it, it, explaining some aspect of this player or I'm comparing them to a former Saint or Astro player from the past. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes it's a bad player and I'm trying to motiv- kind of motivate him in my little silly way to, to do better. Or sometimes it's a really good player like Wes Chandler, who I really liked. And this guy seems to have some Wes Chandler characteristics, so I'm really excited about it. So I call him Wes Chandler. This horse, is he, he should have been named Ernest T. Bass. As Mr. Darling once said, he's ornery as a snake. So, the, you know, the, the Ernest T. Bass just won the Kentucky Derby. Unbelievable. Why would, but, but again, I understand the alternate thing. What, what do you put an alternate in the Kentucky Derby? This ain't the Shine Young. Like, I, I just don't understand the whole process there. It makes zero sense to me. Why is an alternate in the Kentucky Derby? I don't get it. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Ernest T. Bass just won the Kentucky Derby, and that's supposed to make sense to me. All right, let's go to uh, the game hotline. Hello. Footsie. Howdy, sir. Footsie, before you you took up your interest in horse racing, there used to be, whenever they would ride horse races, before they had a lot of tracks and everything, you would have, 12 horses in a race, and then you would have an also eligible list. Well, I get that. That way, do what? I get that, but that's like for a normal race. This is the Kentucky Derby. So what I'm saying is you they have this system now where you have to get so many points. So if he had enough points, why wasn't he in the race to begin with? And if he didn't have enough points, what in the world is he doing in the race? Okay. He didn't have enough points to qualify, but he was on the also eligible list. Consequently, if somebody, something happened, and Dwayne Lucas's horse, Dwayne Lucas didn't feel like his horse was training uh, training properly, so he decided not to run the horse. So he scratched him, and that made the and then the first the first also eligible horse didn't want to run. So this horse got in. I mean, it, it, it's real simple. It used to happen all the time. Not in the Kentucky Derby because most people don't scratch out of the Kentucky Derby. All right. So, okay. All the time. So if he's that close to the horse, if he was that close in the pecking order, here's what I don't get. If he was that close in the pecking order to a horse that was like 30 to 1 or 41, then why was he 80 to 1? It's paramutual betting. I bet on the horse I, I think can win. You bet on the horse you think can win. It's not you're not betting against the house. It's not like going to a casino. It, it's paramutual. The people at the racetrack and all throughout the country that are intermingling with the pools, they decide what the odds are. All the all the Churchill Downs did. They for for holding the money 
and calculating the odds, they get a percentage of the money, and then they redistribute the money back to the betters. The betters decide what the odds are, not not the house. But and how could you bet on a horse? Well, of course. Good. How could you bet on a horse that's not even in the race? Well, he was in the race on on uh, Friday. You know, he got uh, in the race. I, I don't I mean, like. I don't like this at all. Well, you know. There's a lot of things people don't like, but they got to learn to like them. <laughs> no, I don't like this at all. I don't like it. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. And hey, look, it was an I'm, incredible race, but you got to admit that this guy, this horse, is Ernest T. Bass. Well, I'm happy that the horse won. I'm happy that the people won. You know, I'm happy the little guy won one time. You know, that I, I think that's wonderful that the little man actually won one time. I think it's really good. I think it's good for the sport. I mean, I think it generates a lot of interest for the sport. So, you know, you may not be happy with with the sport of horse racing today, but I think it's a good thing myself. Well, but, I mean, is there any way Ernest T. Bass can really win the Preakness? Probably. I'm going to say probably not. You know, to me, this is like a NCAA basketball, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, beating Virginia. And then when they get to the second round, they just don't have it. That's just my thought. But if he does, he does. I mean, that would be even greater. I mean, that that would be, you know, really great. I don't think, I don't think this is a triple crown winning horse, but. Hey, stranger things have happened. I mean, he won the Kentucky Derby. Now, I, I wouldn't have bet one dollar that he would have won the Kentucky Derby. But I mean, congratulations to the people. I don't think so. And plus, the, the turns at Pimlico are a lot tighter than at Churchill Downs. Churchill Downs is a bigger track, so the turns are a lot tighter at Pimlico. So Pimlico favors speed, speed horses. But I mean, I don't know. But we'll just have That's to wait. It's unbelievable see. to me. No, there's no question. It's not that I'm not happy for the people. I don't even know the people. I'm not. It's not. And I love the underdog winning, but I don't know this. Say, I just, I just, I, I, I'm struggling to wrap my mind around this. But anyway, I appreciate you calling. We'll be talking more in the second hour about it. Man, this cat, Ernest T. Bass, has a smile as from here to Mount Pilot this morning after that race. Unbelievable. Ernest Absolutely. T. Bass won the Kentucky Derby. Thanks for the call. All right. All right. All right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, I was busy, so I had no idea that this horse was in the race Friday. Really, I, I didn't know. So they tell me, Rich Strike just won the Kentucky Derby. I said, how could that be? He's not even in the race. I mean, literally, that's what I, I, I was like. How can this horse? He's not even in the race. I, I, never, I never saw a Rich Strike. Oh, man. I'm just glad the Astros swept the Tigers this weekend and are on a seven-game winning streak because, boy, I needed it. My my nerves are frayed. I needed it. All right, we'll take a timeout. Like the song says, William, you may be right. You may be right. I may be crazy. No question about that. We'll take a timeout. I'll be back 1037 the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. How much does Foot despise the San Francisco 49ers? Well, you be the judge. 
I love turning 50 because I was no longer a 49. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706 0111. 706 0111. If you would like to get in, help me wrap my mind around Ernest T. Bass winning the Kentucky Derby. Ornery is a snake. That's what Mr. Darling said. That's what that horse looked like. You think I can't do it? Unbelievable. So any more comments you have on that, certainly feel free to call. Major League Baseball, always a topic from here to November. College baseball, the Cajuns. But getting back before I get to that, getting back to the Kentucky Derby, there's one thing I do like about it. It makes a point that I've been making for years, having to relating it to other sports. Um, I've said for years, you know, we have this idea about learning, you know, who's the best and all that kind of stuff. I've said for years, every year in all these sports, not so much the NBA, but although this year shows that maybe, maybe the NBA could be, but but especially in the sports of the and the NFL major league baseball every year there's a team that doesn't make the playoffs more than one team maybe that that doesn't make the playoffs that if they got in could make a deep run they just didn't qualify for the playoffs they didn't win enough games or like in hockey they didn't have enough points so I think Ernest T. Bass winning the Kentucky Derby kind of illustrates how that can happen. Just you didn't you, you really weren't supposed to be there, but if you got in, you could you you know you you could win, beat any of these teams. Strange. So it does kind of make that point. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Foot. Howdy. I try to wrap my head around this Kentucky Derby and looking at this horse after the race. It just doesn't make sense how they have multi-million dollar horses in the race and these cats claim this horse out of a race for $30,000. They paid $30,000 multi-million dollars. Oh, it's crazy. No, it is. And again, to Bitter's like, point, I, I think that there's I something I, cool about that. I, I, I don't, I'm, there is something cool about that aspect of it, but it's just crazy to me. Hello? These other horses had made millions of dollars before this race, and yeah. he only had $100,000 made. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. It's as, a, as a trainer of another horse, like you got to think, like, 
cat. What did we do to lose to a horse that they bought for 30000 and we just paid millions for ours? How do you think the Rays and the Red Sox feel? I mean, the Yankees and the Red Sox feel when they lose to the Rays. It's like it's it, it, it's you know it's going to one of these hard, it's going to one of these uh, dog shows and, and some mutt wins it. You know, and that's you know, yeah. uh, you know you you got you got you got the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Punks spending three hundred million dollars on a payroll and the little sixty million dollar Rays beat them. Speaking of the Yankees, foot. As a Yankees fan, he, and he's talking about who they're losing to, since th- this doubleheader thing, you lose to the Rangers. Like, I would like to know the statistics on how many teams win both games of the doubleheader in the same day. Well, it happens it sometimes, it but it, it, it's not the majority of the time. No, I, I agree with I agree with I agree with you. It's harder to win a doubleheader than to beat the same team two days in different two different days. I agree with you, but I'm telling you, the Rangers have some good hitters. Their pitching over the long haul is just not good enough. It's just not. But they have good hitters. I don't really like playing the Rangers. Yeah, I I I would like to know how many teams win both games on the on the same day, like. They have to have a statistic on that. Oh, no, they, I'm sure they won. do. And and we're going to get more. That statistic's going to mean more this year because we're going to have more doubleheaders this year for whatever reason uh, because of everything going on. So, yeah, I, 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 I do think it's tougher. I agree. All right, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for the call. No, the Yankees are playing really well right now. They're playing really well, no question. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good Kevin. morning. Hey. Uh, yeah, I heard you was talking about the horse race. And uh, I experienced my first time ever betting on the horse racing. And uh, I did, I don't know nothing about it. You know, the first time ever. I casually watched the Kentucky Derby over the years and the other two. But uh, so I did uh, the trifecta deal take five horses and and three whatever need to come in the top five so i don't know but i know i got a lot of i, I placed three trifectas in and all three i had two check marks <laughs> and then the rest was x's so this horse here Mess i with guess you. i didn't place my bets right maybe i could have Put two or three dollars on the, the the long shot, you know. But just seemed to me uh, that horse looked jacked up on something towards the end. Even when the horse, the race was over, you know he was he wanted to fight and stuff. Oh but, yeah, he's honor is uh, a snake, just like Ernest T. Bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know, man. So. Oh, it's craziness. And there was one other thing. Wasn't a year or two ago that a horse got disqualified because it was on some kind of performing enhancing drug or something? Yes, yes, that did happen, yes, recently. Yes, sir. Yeah, recently. So I don't know. But anyway, I'm enjoying the new app on uh, for baseball. It's keeping me interested in baseball. Oh, yeah. It's the most baseball I ever watched since I was a kid. Well, that's good. Anyway, I'll let you go. All right, thank you for the call. Thank you. Now, I believe that gentleman's a Viking fan, and the Astros are off today, and I don't know if he likes the uh, Twins as well. 
But the Astros are off today, and they play the Twins tomorrow. Now, Carlos Carlos Correa got hurt. I don't, I, they thought for a while it could be serious, but it didn't sound like it's as serious. So he might play in this series. We'll see. He's day-to-day. So I have a comment from Salty Steel. I want to bring it to your attention. Okay. It says, to make a comparison on how big the upset was here is my opinion. Imagine Usain Bolt in the Olympics running in the 100-meter sprint, getting run down by Kevin Foote. Well, I heard I heard that comment earlier, and my response to that is, uh, as long as the horse had four legs, he has a much better chance <laughs> of winning the Kentucky Derby than I do beating Usain Bolt. I, I probably mean, can't outrun you, much less <laughs> Usain Bolt. I mean, so, me running, though, and you're a little fast walk. We got to get somewhere nah, to go. I can walk fast, <laughs> but when we, running bit. and walking fast are two totally different animals. No, I no. I heard that comment, and again, my first thought was, as long as that horse has four legs, he has a better chance of winning the Kentucky Derby. Ernest T. Bass has a better chance of winning the Kentucky Derby than me outrunning anyone that has any speed, much less Usain Bolt. So <laughs> I get I get the effort by Salty Steve, but I don't know. I don't think people realize how slow I am when I run. Uh, I mean, it's just... It's it's uh, it's it's not a pretty sight. Let's put it that way. All right. So in addition, and we're going to get to college baseball. I just it's you know, so much this Kentucky Derby thing. I still I haven't really been able to wrap my mind around it. But the other thing that's interesting over the weekend was NBA, you know, the whole Chris Paul, this cat to to borrow an old term from the 80s and our good friend Dick Vitale, he's a Dow Joneser, baby. I mean, this guy, one game he looks like a Hall of Famer, and the next game he's like, which sport do you play? I mean, like this guy's unbelievable. And then there's the whole aspect of his family, and that's just awful. I'm just telling you, it's – I've told a story before. Years ago, Michelle and – um I got Michelle, I brought Michelle a Christmas present. Her and her brother went to uh, a Bronco game in Houston, and they're not even rivals. It's the Houston Texans, and they got harassed the whole time they were there. She said, "I will never go to another road game." And, and of course, they wore their Bronco stuff. If you go to a road game, don't wear the the colors or the. I mean, it's just not worth it. I mean, it's just people are just not rational. Not, you see, not every like I tell y'all, not everybody's as rational in following their favorite teams as I am. Um, craziness. So yeah, that's a whole different aspect. But man, the Sixers. Wow, there were some interesting results for sure uh, in the NBA as well over the weekend. Very interesting weekend. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the game. One hundred three seven Lafayette. One hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways, powered by Butcher AC, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the footlish dictionary. Old tucktail. Tucktail. 
Noun, a former NFL coach who put his tail between his legs and went back to college, where it's easier to win. Also known as Nick Saban. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you would like to win downtown rising VIP passes, <clears throat> where you have a chance to meet the Cold War kids, simply register for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. <coughs> the... Downtown Rising featuring Cold War Kids is scheduled for Saturday, June the 4th. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raiders Solution, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. The game hotline, 706-0111, If you would like to get in, Feel free. You want to talk about the Kentucky Derby like people are all over the country. Certainly feel free to do that. College baseball or softball, NBA playoffs, um, you know, the Mavericks. As dominant as the Suns have been all season, and just look, they've had an historically good season. I mean, it doesn't take much of an imagination to see where the Pels could have beat them. And it's starting to not look take much of an imagination to see where the Mavs might could beat them, even though I think most people still feel like the Suns are going to win. But you'll wonder, even if they do win this series, if it's going to take a toll. If you struggle, if you go six or seven games every round, it seems like that has a cumulative effect at some point. So I, I don't know. It's it, it looks it for all year long. It's looked like the sun season, but uh, it's certainly not been. They're certainly not in cruise control. Certainly not in cruise control. And I think, uh, man, I don't know. It might be even. As shocking as Ernest T. Bass winning the Kentucky Derby. Can you imagine if the Sixers with with Harden and an injured Embiid and, and and Doc Rivers, who I mean, they were people were about to they were already talking like their season's over. Like many people, many NBA experts were already talking like the Sixers season was over. They had already written the obit story. They were already reporting the obit story, essentially. And maybe that you know that's going to happen soon. But that would be shocking. So they won again. They're certainly back in this series. And if Horn can keep making shots, who knows what they're going to be. So that would be it. I don't know. That one might be more sh- shocking than what happened at the at the Derby on Saturday if the Sixers won the NBA championship. Because I'm telling you, their obit story was written and was already being discussed. 
So we'll keep a we'll keep at least a half eye on that for sure. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, uh, how you doing, Kevin? Pretty good, sir. Uh, listen, you know you hit the two terms. I don't know whether it originated in racing, but you hear the term um, thanks for the race, and you hear the term racing block. And I told my wife, and you can ask that Mr. Thomas, the fractions that were 45 and what they call change, and then a one-tenth for three-quarters of a mile. And that is fine. You just don't go that fast. And I told her, I said, oh, something's going to happen. You have a race that's way too fast like that, or let's say it would have been slow, like a 47 or 48 for the first quarter mile. That rich strike would have never maybe finished 10, something, something like that. But the horse that was leading called, uh, I think, Summer is Tomorrow, and the charge that says it was first, I don't know whether going into the turn, wound up finishing last. And that Japanese horse that was supposed to be super bred and raced all over the world and everything, that horse finished 13. All those horses were finished. And if you look at that uh, Rich Strike, when he started running, he was having, well, racing luck, everything opened up for him. It was a fantastic ride. And he just shot up through the, uh, the rail. And, um, uh, it's just kind of racing luck. And the thing about that horse, too, and yes, he deserved to be 80 to 1. There's no way I'd bet on that unless I was named after it. The horse it did win a maiden race, I think, at Keeneland. And it won either first or second, some big race, but he's been running at what they call Turfway Park. Turfway Park is a synthetic racetrack. And just the whole, like, uh, the gentleman called at the beginning of the show. The betters decide the odds, not the track. And he deserved to be 80 to 1. Not be very surprised if he's more, uh, under 20 to 1 with the frequency. So, anyway, but that, it's great. It's great for the little man. You know, people want to get into business. And I mean, I was real happy for the owners and such. You know, so, anyone you know, good for them. I think the pace of the race would really decide it. Right. You can ask uh, you know, uh, horse racing guy about that. I think that's what did it. So, anyway. I appreciate the call. Team. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, to uh, um, he he was right. Uh, Crown Pride was 13th. Summer of Tomorrow was last. Um it's funny how, you know, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, the race went as planned, except for Ernest T. Bassmess ended up because Epicenter was second, uh, at least early for most of the weeks. Andon was was the favorite, and, and it fin- uh, he finished third in simplification, the horse that sounded the one that I picked just because from listening to what everyone was saying, I'm like, man, that horse sounds interesting to me, was fourth. Now, the horse that Rouse liked that I was like, I I, I just dismissed because of how bad the name was, uh, Mo Donegal was fifth. And Barbara Rowe, the horse that Mr. Tom didn't pick but kept saying, don't I just can't count that horse out, was sixth. So 
it's it's strange to you know the the way that it worked out. Um, you know, Cyberknife. A lot of people were high on that horse. It finished eighteenth. Just really bizarre. Uh, but yeah, you know, I look to the last caller's point to Bitter's point. No, I, I agree. Being happy for the little man winning, I I think it's great too. I, I got no issue with that sentiment. Um, I just don't understand the the. It just didn't make sense to me. Just go with fewer horses. But anyway, well, um, I'll get past that and appreciate the cool part of it. Um, as we get closer to the uh, to the Preakness, but he's probably going to set to the last caller's point. He's probably going to have the worst odds of any Derby winner ever at the Preakness. Unbelievable. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the more we you talk about it and you try to wrap your mind around it, it it's 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 something, no question. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, good morning, Kev. Good morning. Of course, there's two things I know: the Saints and horse racing. Yes, indeed. You know, I've been studying it all my life. I'm, I'm, I'm. I have to. All kidding aside, I have to just say, and it's sad because we live in an area where a truly a lot of really good jockeys come from. There are a lot of great jockeys that come from this area. In fact, I think there were two Lafayette natives running in the Derby on horses. And think about it. There's 20 horses. There's 50 states. Two of the people on horses were from Lafayette. So that being said, and look, for all these knuckleheads saying Joey's a horse racing expert, I said that with a tongue so far in cheek, I got a rash on the side of my mouth. It's just that we talk about the horses all the time, and the reason I'm calling is that cat ran a perfect race. There was one moment where he's three or four horses back with a horse in front of him between him and the leaders, and he could have stuck to the rail and tried to squeeze between the rail and that horse or simply hook it right and go around that rascal and he hooked it right and went around that horse in front of him, and then somebody put a fire rocket in his butt and flat-out launched him like a, a cannon, and he zipped past all them guys, and it was amazing to watch. I am far from a horse fit racing aficionado. I watch the Derby every year just because I think it's incredible. I remember one year watching where my takeaway was watching these two horses looking in each other's eyes. This is back in the 80s or early 90s where I can't remember the race, but then a a guy that knows horse racing will know what I'm talking about. But these two horses are coming down the stretch looking into each other's eyes, and I turned to the person watching with me and said, these two animals know they are racing each other. We don't give an animal enough credit for being able to reason their way through what's exactly happening. But these two horses at that time knew they were racing each other, and it was phenomenal to watch that. In this case, you had a five-foot man on the back of a beast, and he ran a perfect – he drove that horse absolutely perfectly. And that was my takeaway from this derby. If you watch – I've watched the replay 50 times. There was one 
key critical moment where he simply went around the right of a horse instead of trying to squeeze. Your natural instinct, you think, would be to hug the rail because it's the shortest distance and slip between them, and he didn't hesitate. He went around to the right, got in the clear, and then just simply outran those other horses down the stretch. And what a phenomenal story because the the guy that owned those horses lost a bunch of horses in a barn fire. Uh, And to, to just see... The underdog, the little guy. We think we tend to think of horse racing as a bunch of pompous rich people. Well, here's a guy that literally lost all his horses in a barn fire, had never run in a derby. The jockey had never won a uh, a major race on the back of a horse, and for both of those guys, it was just it's it's phenomenal. Don't they call horse racing the sport of kings? Yes, that's why. That's why. I mean, it's it's. It's 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 a man and a beast, and together they win championships, and that's what's really cool about it. I just I was thrilled to watch it, and we always root for the underdogs. I mean, most people we tend to. That's why we're Saints fans, I think, because we were underdogs for so long. They're just lovable. I think when we went on our Super Bowl run, the reason they were embraced by the world, much less the country, was because we were the Saints. We were the lovable losers. And to watch that race, dude, it was phenomenal. I can't wait till you get your your horse racing man back on here and to hear what a what a really what a true expert has to say. But my takeaway was the jockey won that race. The horse taking nothing away from him. The jockey ran a no, uh, race no, he he never... did. But that horse was cruising down the stretch once he got once oh, he got big time, oh, big yeah. time. It's amazing how they run out of gas. But I don't think we we always talk horses and we just assume the jockey's on the back along for the ride, and this guy proved that's not the case. He steered that horse exactly where it needed to be, and if it was a race car driver doing that, we wouldn't be talking about the car. We'd be talking about the driver, and I think in this one, to me, the jockey is the one deserving most of the credit for that race. He ran a absolute perfect race, and I don't want to take anything away from the horse either. Beautiful. What a just a... It's amazing these animals when you look at them. It's like, uh, you know, it, it, what they can do raising these horses. It's just this like solid piece of muscle, and they're so beautiful to look at. But what a lot of fun that was Sunday, and I think we'll be talking about it for a while uh, next year. They'll be talking about the little horse that could. So anyway, that's my two cents. All right, thanks to talk about. All right, thanks, Joey. Have a blessed week, dude. Of course, you know me, Joey. You should by now. I can always bring it back to the Saints or the Cheaters. This hot, this jockey that Joey's just talking about grew up. He's from Venezuela, but but he grew up on the tracks or in Youngstown, Ohio, where former Cheater president began his mafia ties, Corman policy. I can bring, I can always bring it back to the Saints and the Cheaters. All right, that'll do it for this segment. No, I agree with a lot of what what Joey said. No question, the jockey was um, was instrumental in it. It was it was it was quite a feat. It was it was unbelievable. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Finish out the first hour on. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ebbness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. To footnotes, want to remind you, if you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, you simply need to go to the website, join the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. And you might win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. All right, so we went a little too long with the last thing. We're having lots of fun like a lot of people are trying to figure out and wrap our mind around the the incredible feat drawing comparisons. <laughs> uh, all kind of crazy comparisons and parallels to illustrate how incredible a victory it was. And it was something. No, I mean, if you look at the race from above, arrow view, it was really something. All right, that'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can watch a simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber, the game hotline 706-0111-706-0111. If you would like to get in, certainly feel free to call all kinds of things to discuss. We've been talking mostly about the Kentucky Derby. It, it, it's it's such an incredible story. Uh, the race itself was so impressive to watch when you watch the replay and what I the, what actually happened. And the story behind it is movie like. So it's <coughs> certainly no question, uh, no under you know, no question why. No mystery why people want to talk about it. So, and again, unusual on a Monday. We don't normally have guests, but we will get Mr. Tom on about 1035 to get his take on what in the world went on um, on Saturday. So if you would like to talk about that, certainly. We, we haven't really gotten to college sports yet, and we'll do more of that the next two days, but... Uh, just to keep you up on 
kind of what happened over the weekend, the Cajun softball team since we last spoke. Uh, actually, it happened pretty quickly on Friday because South Alabama lost a game on Friday. The Cajuns clinched the Sunbelt Conference Championship, but they didn't stop there. They ended up sweeping Monroe, ULM in Monroe. And so they will go in as the number one seed. The Cajun softball team will play at 10 a.m. on Wednesday against Tuesday's winner between Monroe and Coastal. So it's very possible they're going to play ULM for the fourth straight game if, if ULM can beat Coastal. If the Cajuns win in the 10 a.m. game on Wednesday in Mobile, they will continue to play at 10 a.m. They will be scheduled to play at 10 a.m. on Thursday. If they lose that game, they will play um, at 4 p.m. on Thursday. So we'll see how that plays out moving forward. The baseball team, one of the things, and it's shame on me, Shame on me. I normally look at history. And recent history is that as bad a season as UTA is having, and they're not having a good season, their record is not good. Um, as bad a season as they're having, and as good as hot as the Cajuns were, and as much as the Cajuns needed a sweep. I neglected to focus last week, and shame on me, on the history. UTA, UTA kind of owns the Cajuns in the past, and they played the Cajuns much tougher than most people thought. Like, they easily could have won all three games, UTA, easily. They led her in all, all three games. Uh, but to the Cajuns' credit, they pulled each one of them out, including yesterday in 11 innings. So the Cajuns got the sweep. They will now play two midweek games at Rice on Tuesday and Wednesday and then uh, play arguably the most important series, weekend series of the whole season at first place Texas State. Texas State is 20-4. and four. Texas State should have lost at ULM on Friday, but they scored three in the ninth to win by a run. Uh, that would have been humongous. Uh, basically, what's going on in the Sunbelt Conference right now is four teams are pulling away. Texas State is 20-4. and four, Georgia Southern's 18-6. and six, Cajun 17-7. And, seven, and uh, Coastal Carolina 16-7-1. and one. Oh, it ties in baseball. still hard for me. But... Anyway, you have four teams there. And then they're, they're, it's like the next best, the fifth place team's like four games back. So there's a clear so far separation between the top four teams and everybody else. And, uh, and the Cajuns will play at first place Texas State. Now, they could win that series and still not catch Texas State. But all you can do is win as many games as you can and hope for the best. Uh, they're one game behind Georgia Southern. And remember, they beat Georgia Southern two out of three and really should have been three out of three. But anyway, they did beat them two out of three, so they would own the tiebreaker over Georgia Southern. LSU got a big series win. And remember, we've been talking all season how I just don't think the SEC is as top-heavy as uh, it normally is. LSU now has the third-best record in the SEC. And they're only two games behind Arkansas. And I know there's only six to go, 
But uh, And I don't think they can catch Arkansas because Arkansas won the series because it was played in Arkansas. But uh, Arkansas, LSU, Arkansas has Vandy and three games against at Alabama left, and LSU plays Ole Miss and three games at Vandy left. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. What's going on, young man? How are you? Good, good. Kevin, uh, you know, talking about the Cajuns, you know, I was listening to Dex say something. He said uh, that there's certain metric marks they're trying to reach where the, the committee always favors that team as they get to that. And one of them is winning 15 games on the road. And uh, they have a tw- uh, conference 12 right now. So, uh, you know, I guess what he's saying is he needs to win at least three this weekend to get to 15 road wins, which is a metric that they look at. And also, uh, they need to finish above 500 uh, against your quad one and quad two opponents. And right now, they're sitting up, uh, above a 500 more to keep them on the two. So, that being said, I think uh, they, if they take two out of three to Texas State this weekend and take care of business but against the Little Rock on the weekend, I think that's going to be good enough for uh, for, for them, the, the numbers going into the uh, conference tournament. Yeah, I like their chances. I agree with you. Now, if they finish fourth in the league, it might get a little dicey. But if they finish, if they can finish a second, uh, again, it's going to be very important to win two out of three. And look, this team's twenty and four, so they don't lose too many home games this year. So it's not going to be easy to win two out of three in San Marcos. But uh, they're capable of doing it. It's going to be fun to see what happens. Yeah, you know, not really. I, I heard what you're saying about the uh, UTA got their number, but. I didn't I really did not think they played that well this weekend. Uh, they committed a lot more errors than they, they have been in the past, and but they found a way to win all the games, Kevin, which is very important. But being, I'm trying to be positive because I don't think they played their best ball. Maybe they'll they'll play it this weekend. Did you think they played all that good this weekend? Well, I didn't think they played poorly. I I just thought that that the pitchers for UTA did a lot of good things. I I really. I, it didn't seem like a fluky thing. I mean, they were getting as many hits as the Cajuns were. And in, in some of the games, they were getting more hits than the Cajuns. So I, I didn't think it was I, – I, I really give credit. Well, you know me, first of all. They, they scored way too many runs the week before is one thing. And two is uh, I really give credit to UTA's pitchers. I think they did a pretty good job. Um, I hope you're right on that, Kevin. Look, uh, before I let you go uh, – you know, you said they had no chance, but let me tell you what, if we take care of them ugly Celtics tonight, then the Bucks might be going back to the finals again. No, I, I thought about you over the weekend. I'm like, you know what? Nothing made sense for the Bucks getting back, and yet it's starting to look like they're gonna. You, you, you might, you might have one of the best medicine seasons of all time. No, I, I, I what you just said, I thought about several times over the weekend. I'm like, man, it's really impressive what they're doing. Yes. So kudos to your little team, for sure. Well, I know you. I know you're pulling for me against the Celtics. Oh that. yeah, the Celtics. No, I I, yeah, <laughs> yes, no question. No, oh, I've so always liked the Bucks. I got nothing against them. I was rooting at the. I was rooting for the Bucks when I was four years old. They were playing the Celtics. Of course, I was rooting for them. And then they traded Kareem to me, so I really like. Them. All right, they. <laughs> so no, I got nothing against the Bucks. Always have liked the Bucks. I like the Mecca. I know people that hated the Mecca. I don't know how anybody hated the Mecca. I love the Mecca. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin, this is Bruce. Uh, I, I joined you late in the first hour. I just wanted to say something about the 
the horse race. Uh, okay. I was at a get together about a year ago, uh, around the, when the, the Triple Crown was being run, and there was a jockey there, and he made a statement to us that when it's a race like this, there's a million ways to lose it and only one way to win it. And uh, I'm when when I uh, saw the race Saturday, I thought about him. Everything had to fall into place for him, the pace, everything else, and. And I agree with Joey. The guy ran a perfect, uh, the jockey ran a perfect race. But I just wanted to interject. When, when you think about a million ways to lose it and only one way to win it, it's like. Especially uh, the Kentucky Derby, just because there's so many horses and, you know, it's it's just so unpredictable. I, I Look, I yeah. love that the unpredictability of it came back. For a while, the Kentucky Derby was getting predictable. And I think that's awful. And so while I'm struggling with the whole process of this still, I, I, I think the part about the little man winning and the unpredictability being back is tremendous. I'm with you. Yeah. One thing you can predict, you don't know if this horse is ever going to win a race again, but one thing you know for sure is he'll never go off 80 to 1 again. <laughs> well, I agree, but I got to believe he's going to have about the longest odds for a derby champion at the Preakness ever. Yeah, that may be true. But. Yeah. <laughs> Craziness. All righty. Take care. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the options that we surveyed, all the potential that we talked about for five weeks, and, uh, I mean, no one said, you know, I think Ernest T. Bass might win the Kentucky Derby. No one said that. No one even thought it. No one even thought it. But that's what happened. Incredible. Feisty. Ornery as a snake. I mean, this horse kept trying to bite the other horse. Craziness. But no, I mean, just I mean, it's a different kind of hype. It's a different kind of storyline. Uh, I don't, you know, usually the big, the big, the overwhelming storyline around this time of the year is can the horse win the the Triple Crown. I don't even think anybody's going to talk about that. I mean, it might get mentioned a couple times, but it's not going to be the because no one even believes it has a chance of winning the next race. Really, like I, I don't. It, it it becomes more of a. Um, it's like this Cinderella story thing. It's kind of like if you like two bitters point in the first hour, when you get a when you get a. 15 seed or a 16 seed that upsets somebody in the NCAA tournament, no one thinks they're really going to make the final four. It's just you're just relishing the storylines, kind of like St. Peter's. You're relishing the storylines of how did this team do this? How did this horse do this? But I don't think anybody thinks it's going to win the Triple Crown. So the Triple Crown kind of goes that that normal – storyline kind of goes out the window um and you just you just relish i mean i mean people are there look it's going to be replayed over and over and over and over and over again over the next three weeks and it should be and and then when they get to the preakness they're going to be like they're going to show it again and everyone's still going to shake their heads and go how did that happen? Um, you know, it's kind of like when I rewatch a crazy game. Even though I know what the end result is, I'm like, 
How did this happen? It's incredible. So, again, it adds a whole different element to the buildup to the Preakness. And, um, and yet, you know, the Triple Crown discussion will be minimal at best, I think. No one's going to really think, oh, this horse could win a Triple Crown. But that doesn't mean it's not interesting because it certainly is. All right. We will take a timeout, come back, continue to wrap our mind around this really big sports weekend. We'll do that next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, uh, just filling in a few gaps from our conversation with FedEx man at the end of last hour talking about the UL Texas State Series and we'll talk more about that as the week goes on for sure again Texas State is in first place um FedEx man talked about the that 15 win Texas State already has 15 road wins they're 15 and 5 on the road this year they on paper are really offensive baseball team and um I've never actually covered a game in San Marcos, baseball-wise. I've done football, but not not baseball. And I was talking to Jay recently, and he was talking about how the wind almost always seems to blow out, and it's really a park conducive to scoring a lot of runs. And so you know how the way I think of it, the fact that the Cajuns – Scored so many runs and got so many hits in in Boone. Probably worked a little bit against them this week. I also think that the fact that they didn't get that many hits this week will probably help them a little bit when they go to Texas State. And, you know, you'll one, there's no way to quantify how much it helps, but the fact that school is now over has got to help them a little bit. Got to help them a little bit. And so it'll be interesting to uh, see how that series goes down for sure. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Well, I, I'm all right, but I, I, I listening this morning. I, I'm confused about your nerves. What, what's your nerves afraid for? You, everything's coming up roses. I mean, what, what's going on? No, it's more – it's not sports so much. It's more – Again, it's the, it's the end of the – whenever you get to the end of like a semester, oh. 
and you yeah, and and you've yeah. been you know how it is like uh, you know you take a vacation in December and then it's a long grind and it's yeah, like the yeah. summer's here and it's like man I just I just don't have much left I, I'm just I'm just limping to the finish line of this semester you know how that goes it's a, it's yeah, yeah. same oh, thing yeah. that happens I, in football you know, season it's like man in my job Kevin as I used to yeah. you know but. Uh, so when I get to the end of the year, I'm not that stressed out or overwrought anymore, you know. But, uh, yeah, I remember when I used to be yeah. stressed out at the end of the year and so on and so forth. Okay, I got a cup. Okay, I'm going to bite. Why, why, I, I, don't, I, I missed the part about why is the horse called Ernest T. Bass? I mean, just because, first of all, he, he, you know, he wasn't on, on, we didn't even know he was going to be in the race. Plus, he's really ornery. He was biting all these horses. They couldn't yeah, control him. And you don't remember Mr. Darling said that Ernest T. was ornery as a snake. Oh, yeah. Ernest T. would try to bite him. And, and oh. I thought maybe it's because at the end of the race, maybe it's me, oh. it's me, it's Ernest T. just popped up out of nowhere. <laughs> Kevin, listen. I'm listening. He, listen, he, he, it's not just that he won. I don't know if you saw the aerial, I guess, a drone footage. Oh, no, I did. It was unbelievable. That, yes. Oh, my gosh. Kevin, the, kid, the, the horse is 17th with, a, with, with over half the race was finished, and he was in 17th place, and he just started weaving and bobbing, and it's just remarkable. At the end of the race, the, the, the announcer never said his name until he was about 50 yards from the finish line. He never even said his name one time. It's just incredible. Okay, no, and it thing. wasn't just that he was seventeenth, though, Manny. It was because he, he he had all these he had a wall of horses in front of him, and he was seventeenth. Yeah. Like it was crazy. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. It, it, I've never seen anything like it. Never. Okay, now I, I know you know LSU. Uh, everything's coming up roses to LSU, but and I'm concerned. I I just don't think he can go far in the postseason. Win two days in a row. Your Pitcher can't get out of the first inning. You start the pitcher. I mean, how, Kevin, how is that going to compute when you get to a regional uh, or super regional? You can't you be start, that bad, Manny. Some, Manny, you can't uh, be that bad. I agree. But we talked about it last week. If they need to do a little better than that, I, I agree with you yes, in terms of starting do, pitching. And, and, the, and, the, and the boy on Sunday has done better. He's been doing well on Sunday. He's been getting four or five. Money. The guy on Saturday, he, he man, he needs a psycho- sports psychologist because – from the first pitch, he's reacting to the umpire's call, and he he he's struggling. Okay, uh, but Manny, but, but Manny, I, we talked about it last week. In my mind, it's great having great starting pitching, no question. But in but, my mind, the bats and the bullpen is what winning in in in, in May is in June in early June. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Uh, and listen, let me just say, I want to say that these this pitching coach and this head coach arguably have done the best job I have ever seen at managing a college uh, a staff. It's just phenomenal. I mean, they are almost 10-point perfect pulling these guys. Like, like the guy yesterday, I'm like, oh, no, don't pull him yet. But, you know, in, in retrospect, when they talked to Johnson a couple of innings later, he just said, man, they just were really hitting the ball hard. They were seeing it, and, and we could tell that, you know, he, he didn't have it. And let me just say, past regime, I don't, don't want to 
bash anybody, but the past regime would not. I don't think would have made those moves. I mean, I, I just don't. I just think they're doing a phenomenal job. And I really think when this guy gets some starting pitchers in a year or two, I think, I think that he's just he and his staff are, are just phenomenal. So I'm very optimistic about about what's going to happen in the future. All right, Kev, I, I can't wait to hear what the, the horse man has to say in a few minutes, man. All right, thanks. Y'all, y'all Th- thanks, day. Manny. No, again, look, this LSU team, it's not been always pretty. It It's not been. But they got a really good chance of finishing second. I mean, a third in the conference. And overall, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about in the division. I'm talking about the third best record in the whole conference. And I don't think they, I don't really think they can catch Arkansas because they don't have the tiebreaker. But it wouldn't shock me if they caught Arkansas. They just wouldn't be ahead of them because they won't have the tiebreaker. That would not shock me. Wouldn't be shocking. Uh, I don't know. They'll probably finish. My, if you ask me to predict, I bet you they finish a game behind Arkansas. But when the, but you know, rewind about five weeks ago, six weeks ago, when a when a lot of LSU fans were really concerned about where they were headed because they were playing such poor defense. And the pitching was set so much. The starting pitching, well, to be fair, the starting pitching still has a lot of question marks. But um, to Manny's last, to Manny's point, but finishing with the second or third best record in the SEC for the regular season, being the number two or three seed going into the SEC tournament, did not look very possible. Did not look like it had a shot of happening. But I think they got an excellent chance of getting the top three seed right now going in. Now, you still got to win games. I mean, Ole Miss has had a really disappointing season. There was a time early in the year where Ole Miss was number one in the country. <laughs> uh, shows you what early polls mean. But that doesn't mean they can't beat LSU just because they've had a bad season. I mean, it's still a team with good players and – They've had a bad season, no question. But doesn't mean they can't win. They still can. You still and and Vanderbilt by Vanderbilt standards had a bad season. Vanderbilt's twelve and twelve right now in the SEC, which isn't terrible, but it's just not Vanderbilt. Uh, but that doesn't mean Vanderbilt can't win the series. I mean, it's in you know it's in Nashville, so of course they can win the series. Vanderbilt's won a lot of games in the last decade especially at home. So, um, still got to win games, but no, they, they're they doing pretty well. They, they, they've kind of, it hasn't been pretty, but they've kind of, you know, bobbed and weaved, as you know, say, and laid some, you know, they got, they can lay the haymaker because they got a good offense. I mean, their hitting is good. And so, um Right now, I'd say they're going to finish third. But again, if they caught LSU and fin- I mean, if they caught Arkansas and just lost a tiebreaker, that wouldn't surprise me either. So we'll see how the how the SEC finishes. It's kind of weird. I guess it's always been that way, but it seemed like they used to just be one week off, not two weeks off. I mean, we the the, the 
the Sunbelt Conference tournament is going on. It's starting tomorrow. And there's still two weekends left in both, you know, the Sunbelt baseball and SEC baseball schedule. Seemed like it was be one week behind, which really two weeks behind. So um a lot, of, a lot of big games from here on out. And again, the Cajuns uh, play a midweek game tomorrow at Rice. That'll do it for this segment. We'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll do something unusual. We'll have a guest on a Monday. And with this crazy Kentucky Derby, I just didn't feel like we, we, we could say no to that. So we're going to talk to Mr. Tom <laughs> after previewing this race for five weeks. And that happened. We'll talk to Mr. Tom and get his impressions next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Laviette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you if you would like to win a family four pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair, this is what you need to do. You need to text CHSF, Cajun Heartland State Fair, CHSF. To 68683. Text CHSF to 68683. You might win a family fat pack of four ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair scheduled for the Cajun on May 26th through June the 5th. All right. We have with us Mr. Tom. We've been talking for five weeks, once a week for five weeks, previewing the Kentucky Derby, and a horse we didn't mention one time. We didn't even know when we last spoke on Thursday he was even going to be in the race. Wins the Kentucky Derby. And, um, I mean, I I think part of you have to be frustrated and part of you have to have a huge smile because it's it's just so crazy. Horse racing is the most egalitarian sport we've ever seen. Uh, like I can't say any horse can win, but I can say any qualified horse can win. Do you know the difference between unbelievable and improbable? Well, in horse racing, unbelievable is not a word. You never use unbelievable. Improbable is what you would use about Saturday. That's the only thing you can say. If I go back and I look at this horse, this horse is just as good as any other horse that ran in the race. It's just that he wasn't in it until 30 hours before the race. Okay, so let me, let me, I just want to make sure, I know people are saying, Kevin, why are you struggling with this? Okay, I want to make sure that I understand the facts here. Okay. This horse had the 22nd most points. He, he, he had 20 points. He ran third in the JR Stakes, which was a 
stakes race at Turfway Park. He got 20 points, right? Mm-hmm. He had enough to qualify if everybody else didn't run. And there were actually 25 horses or 26 horses that were ahead of him. And they either dropped out or didn't want to run or whatever. That, so it, it, he ends up the 20th horse. That's all. That's what it is. Right. But I'm saying he wasn't 22nd. So you're telling me he was about oh, no. 28th. Oh, yeah. He was further than that. But 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 other horses had dropped out before they made the draw on Monday. So, you know, it, it, he had got, moved up to 22nd. That's it, basically. He had moved up. And that's it. So, it, you know, a good handicapper handicaps the also eligibles. But there's 20 horses. What you going to do? You know, now, now, fire. now there's other things, though, that mm-hmm. I've seen kind of based off what you said, some of the things you said, you know, mm-hmm. recently. And one of them is how do you run on that track? The horse was bought after a victory at Churchill Downs. So he had Absolutely. run on that track before. And the, the tr- I read a quote where the trainer talked about how the horse loved that track for whatever reason. Absolutely. I mean, it, Absolutely. So th- that's something that probably no one factored in. They didn't factor in because they didn't have enough time, Kevin. <laughs> by the time by the time Friday afternoon came around, this guy Sonny Leone that rode the horse rode five races at Belterra, which is in Cincinnati. That afternoon, Friday afternoon, he rode five races. He went second in a bunch of them. So he gets his wife and his child and gets in his car and drives the two hours down to Louisville. Because he has no idea when he gets off that last mount that he is actually going to ride this horse tomorrow at the same time. Can you get that? I mean, like he didn't the, even have time to get nervous. No. In fact, he's people that don't know Sonny Leone don't know racing. Sonny Leone is one of the better jockeys at the little tracks. He runs Belterra, Mahoning Valley. Southern Ohio, sometimes in Pennsylvania. But he's from Venezuela. He's been riding for 15 years. He's got 700 wins. This was his first graded stakes win. Well, if your first graded stakes win is the Kentucky Derby, what else are you going to do? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just. Seriously, I mean, you had. Were you just shaking your head watching the replay over and over again? I wasn't shaking my head so much, Kevin, as I was saying, this is an incredible ride. This is a ride that you dream about and you never do because the circumstances, and boy, you're a word for You know what circumstances mean when you talk. The circumstances had to be perfect for this horse to weave his way through the traffic and get to where he was. The horse nine, his the bomb, was in his way. And if the horse had moved to the inside, this horse would have had to pull up and he'd never won. Tis the bomb moved to the outside. This horse moved to the rail. In front of him, 100 yards, was Messier. Messier was on the rail. So when he gets to Messier, the only thing he could do is yank the horse, get him back on the track, change his lead, and chase after Epicenter and Zandon. And Epicenter did not re-break 100 yards out, and this horse won. And that's what happened. Okay, so so let me ask you this. The jockeys for 
Epicenter and Zandon, do you think yeah. they thought the race was over? And had oh, they known that that horse oh. was there, that they wouldn't have, that he would, that horse, would tri- oh, strike would no not have won? My, no, absolutely no doubt in my mind that either jockey, either one of them, really thought there was anybody going to come up on them. I mean, horses only see in 3D about 50 or 60 feet up the track. They see out of one eye one way and one eye the other way. So they, this horse probably never caught this other horse until he was probably on his flanks. And if Epicenter could have rebroke, but at that point, Kevin, and I've said this for five weeks, these horses that last 220 yards, how many times did I say this? It's almost impossible for them to run that last 220 because they're so young and so inexperienced. And this is what you saw. They, every horse in the race, 19 horses, was running in place. And when I say running in place, they, they could have gone around the same way. This horse was the only one going forward, and he was the only one that finished the race. And his daddy was a long-distance horse, Keen Ice. His daddy was a long-distance horse. This horse was, if you look at the form at Turfway Park, which was a synthetic track, this horse was sitting on a big race, but who knew it was this one, you know? All all right, so do you agree with Joey that this was the jockey's win? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, I'm saying any one of those 19 other jockeys could have done the same thing this guy did, okay? This is not exceptional. They could have done the same thing. But this guy did the job that he was supposed to do. Look at him break from the rail, break from outside. The horse breaks outside like all horses do. They break to the open. And then all of a sudden he just yanks his horse all the way to the rail and runs almost a half a mile alongside of Mo Donegal, a horse that everybody said could win this race. He runs right alongside of him for about a half a mile. And then he takes off and does this incredible business finishing the race. Um, what can I say? But by the way, by the way, is Mo Donegal a distant, distant, distant relative to the horse Donorail, who who was the uh, the the the, the biggest the biggest uh, long shot to ever win the Derby? Like way back I mean, in it's, World War One. They're all related in some way or another, but it's possible. Mo Donegal was Uncle Bo. Named after Uncle Bo in a, in a, a, a town or a place in Ireland. That, that was what it, it was all done. That's how that name came about. Um, but here's another thing. Everybody says, well, wasn't Mo Donegal and Zandon and Barber Road and Tawny Port? Weren't those horses closers? And, and I tell people, no, they were mid-pack horses. That meant they were probably going to be closer to the middle of the race. And they would make maybe two or three runs at the winner. A closer, and he was the only closer in the race, this rich strike. A closer makes one continuous run without stopping. And if you look at this race, that's exactly what this horse did. He just weaved his way in and out of the rail. The jockey did the bet. The only thing you could do is go to the rail. If you run outside of the Kentucky Derby, you ain't going to get nothing. All those horses they ran outside, except for simplification, did not run well. And that was it. it it's, so why would those experienced, I, seasoned, talented jockeys do that then? Well, they have to. The horses put them there. I mean, it, 
you, you, you don't always get to choose where you're going to be. Like Tabor, poor Tabor. Just like we were saying, what did I say about him? He didn't have enough seasoning. Yes. Well, once he got once he got dirt in his face, he didn't want to leave that spot where he was at. You know, in other words, I'm not going to run anymore or whatever. I'm not going to do. It. I'm going to stay right where I'm at. You know. So that's what happened. If he'd have got the lead, he might have been all right. But that's what we were afraid of that he wouldn't be able to do that. All and, right. And, so and, and, no. So, Mister Tom, do you think that? Rich Strike is now going to have the longest odds to win the Preakness of any Derby winner ever. I, I, I mean, it, I don't know. It depends on who enters. If Epicenter and Zandon and early voting go, yes, he could be fourth choice. Uh, but mine, that bird was eight to one, if you remember. You know, he was Rachel Alexander was in the same race, the Preakness, so he won the Derby at astronomical odds, and he was still less than ten to one and. I guess his horse will be seven to one in the Preakness. I mean, something like that. Well, but, that would be pretty good. good. So, he's so a, you think we're going to be? So, you think by by the time we get to the Preakness, mm-hmm. people will have a whole different respect for this horse. I think we have a lot of respect for him right now. Number one, if you see the end of the race, the horse was savaging the pony. I mean, he was ready to go around again. He, he wasn't ready. Right. Running, that's what I'm saying. This, this, Ernest, this guy, his horse is Ernest T. Bass. That's what I'm calling it. I mean, it's ornery. Ornery. Yeah, now, oh, no. He he came back and he ate all of his food. He ate his oats and did everything. He he did everything he normally does. Like, like well, do I, is that all I have to do? You know, something like that. So if he stays healthy and he, and he continues to do what his trainer says he does, Oh yeah, he'll be viable in the in the Preakness, but the Preakness track, man, that's such a front running track that it's going to be hard, hard to win the way he won at the Derby. Right, Preakness, that's almost impossible. But, right, you know. Okay, so let me ask you this: if, if 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 we were to rank the top, I don't know, forty horses, say, yeah. Yeah. Going into the Derby, where would this okay. horse have been ranked? Going, in, you know, he wouldn't have been. He, he wouldn't have been in the top forty. He never cracked the uh, the the, uh, the futures. You know, in other words, the future bets, the three future bets. He never cracked that. He was always also eligible. I mean, you know, always in the field. So it's, you don't think this horse would have been ranked in the top forty a week ago? Well. You could have dug deep. Yeah, he'd have been in top 40 because of the points. He was like in the 28th or something like that because of the points. And the points is what makes this race so remarkable now because you don't get in on all the money you won. you got to get in because you have merit, you know. So this horse had merit, but you looked at him, you said, well, he was only third at Turfway Park on a synthetic track. But he wanted Churchill. What do I do with this horse? Yeah. He worked out well. You know, what do I do with this horse? But but the 20 hole was a scary part for me. It doesn't matter where you run, how you run. That's a long ways to, you know, to kind of navigate the, the rail. It's a long way. That to cat go. was wearing Roberto Clemente's number on his on that that jockey. 21. He liked that, huh? Oh. And when I looked at it. 21-3, I thought it was a football score. Oh, you got to be kidding. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
Well, well um, no, don't don't use unbelievable. Oh, I'm use sorry. The word improbable. Improbable. Because I, okay. horse racing can do anything. I, when I, horses, you know, uh, you just don't know what they're going to do when they break from the gate, and and that's exactly happened Saturday. So don't be too surprised. That's, all right. That's all I have to say. You train me. I'm going to stop saying unbelievable in horse racing. <laughs> And I'm going to slap myself when I say it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mr. Tom, we appreciate it. Uh, It was quite a story. Whatever word you use, it was quite a story. And we'll we'll talk again when we get a little closer to the Preakness. Oh, yeah. And you're going to see a movie on this one of these days, too. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Kevin. All right, Mr. Tom. Educated me more again. Craziness. Craziness. So this horse was not 22nd is what I'm saying. That craziness. All right. Finish out today's show next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And, of course, I got all these, oh, you're an idiot. And, you know, what kind of Saints fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. To footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to tell you about an event coming about a month from now. Next Home Cutting Edge Realty is holding their annual Luke Day on June the 11th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. The charity benefits, the charity event benefits Canine Companions, which is a nonprofit. Uh, that gives and helps disabilities dogs. The event is located at Boye Park, Boye Park Dog Park, located at 411 West Bluebird Drive in Lafayette, which is right next to Como High School. There will be a food truck and Coney, Kona Ice Snow Cone Stand will be on site, plus music and treats and prizes. All proceeds, again, go to donate to Canine Companions. That's Next Home Cutting Edge Realty's Luke Day on June the 11th. All right, so we've had quite a Monday. Again, um, talked a little baseball and talked any football, talked a lot about the Kentucky Derby, and with good reason. An incredible event, and we'll see how this horse does moving forward. And, um, it will be – I think there's going to be a lot of people watching the Preakness with a lot of interest because they just want to see how this horse is going to match up. But like one of the previous callers said and like Mr. Tom just said, this horse probably matches up better with the Kentucky Derby than he does the Preakness. And so although the Preakness is a whole lot closer to Mount Pilot, so you would think that – Ernest T. would would like the Preakness better. 
Um, because my pilot's in North Carolina, but I, I don't think it's gonna work out well for Ernest T and the Preakness, but we'll see. Then they're gonna go to the big city for the Belmont if he's still around. We'll see. Very interesting. All right, Astros off today. I need a break. Y'all have a nice day. <laughs> 